Hello, everyone. My name is Robert Schwartz, and thank you for tuning into our new series, Nash Trends Alerts, where each quarter, experts in the field will get together to discuss current news and emerging trends affecting the NAFL Nash community. If you're new to Nash Net Podcasts or you want to learn more about non-alcoholic heavy liver disease, also known as NAFL, and non-alcoholic steatic hepatitis, also known as NASH, then we recommend tuning into our NAFL NASH educational series, which you can find on www.nashnetwork.org. As I said, I'm Dr. Robert Schwartz. I'm an associate professor of medicine at the uh, Wild Medical College of Cornell University and attending physician at the New York Presbyterian Hospital Cornell campus. I'm joined here today by my colleague, Dr. Parvez Mantri. Hi, my name is Dr. Parvez Mantri. I serve as the executive director for the Methodist Health System Clinical Research Institute and medical director for the hepatobiliary tumor program at Methodist Dallas Medical Center. I also serve as an associate professor at the UNT Health Sciences Center. It's a delight to be here having this discussion with you, Dr. Schwartz. We are excited to be here today to discuss the current and emerging industry trends, as well as how patient and provider education gaps are impacting NAFLD slash NASH care delivery. Before we get started, I would love to share a bit of the work I'm doing at Methodist. I have been involved in NASH research for the last 10 years or so. We started off with a phase two trial and then emerged into phase three, phase two, and even phase one work. We have completed about 20 clinical trials on NASH and have a very exciting spectrum of eight to 10 clinical trials currently going on, including those patients with cirrhosis and partnering with companies on drug development and drug biomarkers. A few years ago, we partnered with NASHNet, which has been a truly wonderful opportunity to meet and work with numerous organizations such as yourselves. We've been embarking on a number of biomarker studies and looking at some national history data. I'm sure you have some similar experiences, Dr. Schwartz, and I would love to hear about them. Absolutely. And again, thank you for that introduction. And as you mentioned, we I think we do have uh, similar interests. I've been here at Wild Cornell now for a little over seven years, have interests also in NAFLD-NASH-related disease. I split my time between both the basic science and clinical arenas. I have an NIH-funded research lab where we actually build mini liver tissues the long-term goals for transplantation, but we actually use these as models to study infectious and metabolic disease. And it allows us to actually better understand the genetic and cellular and microenvironmental interactions that are driving NAFLD-NASH. In the clinical arena, I've been a participant in both you know, phase two and phase three clinical trials and have assisted and helped develop with one of my colleagues who's been the principal lead, who is the leader on this for a clinic that we call iChange, which is a cohesive center basically for the treatment of NAFL-NASH. And it's the innovative center for health and nutrition, basically in gastroenterology. And so, you know, I think we share very common interests as we try to help support patients in their care for NAFL-NASH. That's pretty amazing, Dr. Schwartz. I'm really impressed 
with the work you are doing in this area. Part of the discussion we wanted to cover today included some of the disconnects that we often find between providers and various care environments. I assume you have an ACO at your organization, and I've worked with ours for a long period of time in engaging primary care providers as well as physician leadership to openly discuss some of the challenges that we come across and how to counter them. The most important challenge I think we both agree on is that the general awareness of NAFLD and NASH across various service lines is yet a major unmet need. Furthermore, understanding of risk stratification criteria and their impact on patient care coordination is an important area of opportunity. As medical organizations and physician practices, we're always evolving to find better solutions for our primary care practices in terms of answering some basic questions, including what patients should they refer? What is the initial workup that should be done with the primary care physician? How do they see us managing this disease in a multidisciplinary fashion? And what should I tell their patients when they're referring a patient to a hepatologist? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you that this is a big challenge in the care of patients who have NAFL NASH. First, identifying patients that are actually having NAFL NASH. As we both know, that there is a large number of patients who have a lot of comorbidities that would put them at risk for NAFL NASH, but the patients themselves don't know that they actually have this. And so, I mean, think at every step, both at the primary care level to identify these patients, to determine what the workup should be done at that primary care level, who should be referred, and how these patients are handled, I think are, are big challenges for us within the community for managing these types of patients. So some of the solutions that we have come up with for this is myself, my colleagues, as well as others at our institution have really reached out first to our primary care colleagues to provide uh, you know, education to them to best you know, identify patients that one would be at risk and also to provide some education as to kind of some basic, very minimal workups that at least would enable them to identify patients who are suffering from other potential diseases that are putting them at risk for abnormal liver enzymes as well as liver injury. Now, in addition to that, though, once patients get identified that they may indeed have NAFL NASH, you know, ideally we would risk stratify those patients in a way that would determine which patients should just stay in primary care who are, let's say, at low risk versus patients that are higher risk for developing progression or already have had progression with higher degree of fibrosis. And obviously patients that we would want to see in the hepatology clinic. And ideally, we would actually cite a fiber scan or some piece of equipment that would enable those groups to actually stratify the patients before actually sending them over to us. Now, we have not yet been able to do that in a reliable fashion, but it's something that I think we as a community, as an organization are very interested in doing. 
And so, you know, we hope in the future as we kind of incorporate that in kind of the workup that's involved at the primary care level with a label that to be stratified. The last thing I just would say on this is that if we think about the endocrinology practices, let's say who are seeing patients who are type 2 diabetics, as we both know, upwards of 40 to 50% of these patients can have NAFL are at risk for developing NASH and, and therefore would be a very rich group of patients in which to risk stratifying. And it's something that we have been, again, talking with these groups to actually essentially cite different equipment as well as tools within their own environment so they can stratify their patients in a way that would enable us to only see the patients with the highest risk or highest concerning disease. If you don't mind me asking, it would be interesting to know what you've implemented or what components you have attempted down in Methodist in Houston. Absolutely. And thank you for providing that very important clarification. At Methodist, one of the important uh, things we've done, I believe, in the last maybe four or five years is providing multidisciplinary education. We've done that in the form of various gut clubs and NASH symposia, where we invite primary care physicians, bariatric medicine specialists, endocrinologists, cardiologists, and gastroenterologists. We talk about the various facets of NASH, especially the explaining better the natural history of the disease, its complications. We also discuss the non-pharmacological and the pharmacological strategies for management. And we've, of course, always educated them on some of the clinical trials that we have and what are some of the criteria for inclusion and exclusion, given that there are no FDA-approved medications for this disease. And we've done that repeatedly almost two or three times a year to improve their engagement. The other important thing that we are both part of through NASHNET is the implementation of the FibroScan at primary care offices. This is, as we both know, a very invaluable tool, which if we can help the primary care physicians use through a portable machine, can help them stratify patients who are at the highest risk of liver fibrosis and really need a management or a referral to a liver specialist. And then we've educated them on the use of various biomarkers. As you know, this field is evolving. When we get more and more biomarkers that are approved by the FDA, I think it will really help primary care hone in and help their referral network. I think as an organization, we have similar experiences and challenges. When I look at the providers who help us manage this condition together, our internal medicine group, endocrinology, weight loss medicine, and cardiology, we try to integrate those groups in management in terms of provider awareness, education, as I mentioned earlier, as well as trying to co-manage this condition. I think this is truly a multidisciplinary effort. We discussed how we've used this with primary care physicians. With endocrinology, it is a very wide net. At the same time, it is a big catchment area for patients who have significant fibrosis, especially as patients going to these specialists often have hemoglobin A1Cs or poorly controlled diabetes, high hemoglobin A1Cs. And we know that is a primary driver of disease progression in patients with NASH in the setting of diabetes. 
Similarly, with our bariatric specialists, we often talk about their intervention successes, especially when a weight loss surgery is done and successful, we know can have a very positive impact on different levels of fibrosis. At the same time, we try to raise awareness about those patients who have advanced fibrosis and should only be getting certain types of surgeries in order to prevent hepatic decompensation. So I think it's a fairly successful partnership. Yeah, I think one thing I, I should add is obviously this has been a work in progress led by my colleague, Dr. Sonal Kumar, essentially building this center called the Innovative Center for Nutrition and Gastroenterology, or in short, iChange. And basically, the idea was to cite in one place at one time the different services that you would want to have for, let's say, a patient with fatty liver disease and NASH. At the same time, we have ourselves as hepatologists, but also nutritionists, endocrinologists, and as well as the bariatric team, both from the medicine side to treat target for weight loss from a medication standpoint, but also having the bariatric endoscopist or surgeons. And by having us all there at the same time, the same place, it decreases the amount of fragmentation of care because we actually schedule the patient, as you just mentioned, that we don't really have any treatments right now from a, a medication standpoint. As we know, the only therapy that has been really shown to be efficacious is you know, somewhere around a 7% targeted weight loss, which historically, what we would do is we would pat the patient on the back and say, okay, you really need to lose weight. And I'm sure you've run into the same frustration as I have you know, they come back three months later and not only have they not lost weight, but maybe they've gained a few pounds. And then, you know, we tell them, you know, it would really be great for you to exercise more and lose weight. Maybe we get an appointment with nutritionists, but overall, we, we really didn't find this to be a very successful strategy. And so by doing a more cohesive and organized and less fragmented delivery of care, we've been able to have greater success for these patients with losing weight, maintaining weight loss, as well as increasing the amount of exercise. You know, and this is all the goal that hopefully a larger percentage of our patients would be successful in the long term at maintaining weight loss, as well as meeting that 7% targeted weight loss. Now, I hope over time we'll be able to incorporate medications into this in the sense of that would be directly targeting their NASH itself. But, you know, in the meantime, while we wait for that, I think that trying to do a more targeted approach will enable us as a community to have more success in getting people to lose weight, increase the amount of exercise, and maintain that weight off over time. I could not agree more with you, Dr. Schwartz, especially the multidisciplinary fatty liver clinics. So congratulations on thinking of them and implementing that concept. And hopefully we're getting close to the heels of that as well. As I mentioned earlier, we do have that in principle. Changing gears, we also recognize there are some opportunities to improve patient education relating to NAFLD NASH. Dr. Schwartz, what do you think are the common misconceptions from patients related to NAFLD NASH and their care plans? And what can we do as providers to help empower patients to understand their diagnosis and take charge of their care? 
I think it's a really important question because I think that there are a lot of misconceptions that patients have. I mean, the, one of the most common ones that I get from patients is patients who are overweight or obese, they think that in order to actually do something effectively to mitigate their liver disease is that they have to get down to a, a normal weight. And the thing is, is that that can be really intimidating to a lot of patients to actually even start and even engage in the idea of increasing exercise and weight loss. And when patients, are, I think, are educated and informed, it's like, well, actually, you know, if you just were to lose six, seven percent of your weight, it doesn't matter how overweight you are. This is going to make a huge impact on your quality of life, your health, and on your liver. And I think the other component that really, I think, is a motivating factor for patients is even with this relatively small amount of weight loss, it really does improve the quality of life as well as the energy levels for our patients. And so I think that patients get very daunted and overwhelmed by just, it's like, oh, I have to lose 150 pounds. It's like, no, no, you have to lose six or 7%. So I think that's one of the big misconceptions that at least I run into with my patients. And I think that when patients are given that information, I have to say it sometimes takes a few times to get this across that, you know, they're, they're then willing to engage and they're actually willing to try to at least give this a try. And I'm not sure what your experience has been with this as well. Like what are some of the misconceptions you've run into? Absolutely. We've had very similar patient experiences and we've tackled them in a very similar way. You raised a great point about the magnitude of weight loss starting low and going slow and giving them that positive feedback every step of the way is really important. We, of course, try to attain 10% of weight loss, which may mean different things for different patients, but I encourage them on every single ounce of, of weight loss, understanding that it is an uphill battle and they really need that encouragement all the way. We also provide very granular education about their uh, diet. As you know, weight is 90% in the kitchen. Thank you, Dr. Schwartz. It has been a pleasure chatting with you about this important disease state. This concludes our Q2 2021 NASH Trends Alert podcast update. To learn more about NAFLD NASH and stay up to date, please visit at www.nashnetwork.org. Thank you for joining us today. And we hope to have you tune in next time.